Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. I'm Megan Strand, Communications Director with Engage for Good, and I'm here with the wonderful, the new homeowner, Allison <laughs> Murphy, Marketing Engagement Manager, Manager at Engage for Good. Hey, Allie. Hi, Megan. How are you? I am excellent, but not as excellent as you because you have a new house, which is super exciting. It is, minus all the boxes everywhere, but that's, that's <laughs> to be dealt with later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so this year we of course, awarded the Halo Award award winners at the conference just a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a favorite campaign of all the Halo Award winners? Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. You know how many of them there are? It's like choosing your favorite child. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like it's almost not allowed. It's an excellent segue and an excellent question because we actually have chosen a best of the best campaign. We started this a couple of years ago um, with our friends at Four Momentum, and it was a best of the best designation. And what we did was asked all of the Halo judges during the Halo Award judging period to pick their favorite, their favorite child of that exemplified all of the best characteristics of social impact. So guess what, Allie? I think we're going to talk about that today and maybe what some of those examples are and what you should be looking out for if you're building these campaigns yourself. You are brilliant. You are brilliant. Yes, we are here with the fabulous Molly Ray, who is a founder and president of For Momentum. And we're going to talk about all those things. So shall we get to it? Yep. Buckle up because you're in for a ride. Well, hello, Molly Ray. Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Always, always a good day when Molly is in the house. Well, I'm such a fan of all your content. I'm just honored to be a part of it. So thanks. Well, you're a repeat offender here. So we obviously love everything you have to say as well, Molly. But um, for the four listeners who are not familiar with you, would you start off by giving us a little bit of a brief background on Four Momentum? Uh, Sure. Well, thank you. Yeah. So believe it or not, uh, at least it's hard for me to believe, I just celebrated a milestone anniversary, um, 18 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I remember having conversations with David when he was just launching the first Engage for Good conference and I was just launching For Momentum. So it was kind of like skipping down uh, memory lane there. But I found For Momentum um, 18 years ago, really with the, the goal of helping nonprofits and businesses collaborate better together. Um, what I had learned in my in my career leading up to that point was that oftentimes partnerships were not, were were sort of short sighted and, and short term and they really weren't fully leveraged and so we really I, I had a vision that if if there was more support available more guidance available that these partnerships could really come become much more robust. And so For Momentum is an agency that focuses 100% in that space of helping nonprofits and companies work more effectively together to reach, of course, mutual goals, but also to reach their own respective business goals as a part of the collaboration. So we've been hard at that for, for 18 years now. We've helped more than 100 clients with their cost partnership strategies and execution and it's a fun, fun business. And now before that, Molly, you had a background in nonprofit, correct? Is that when you were seven years old since you've been around for 18 years? (laughs) 
Yeah, back in kindergarten. Um, yes, no, actually, I had uh, a, a sort of a, a, a three, you know, legs of the stool background, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I had been in charge of corporate um, por- partnerships for the Arthritis Foundation, and I was in, mm-hmm. you know, involved with all their strategic alliances. But prior to that in my career, I had been in the ad agency business, so I understand the marketing mm-hmm. And then also had rounded that experience out on the corporate marketing point of view for years with IHG, the the hotel franchisor. Oh, um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I like- you are the best of all worlds. <laughs> Got experience from all these different angles. Yeah, exactly. We understand the viewpoint of both sides of the table and and maybe all sides of a table. So uh, I think <laughs> it's important for an agency to understand those dynamics for sure. Absolutely. So Meg and I talked about this a little bit in our intro already, but you sponsored a Best of the Best Halo Award at Engage for Good for the last two years. Tell us what you look for when it comes to best-in-class corporate and cause activations. Yes, I'm so excited to collaborate with you guys on the Best of the Best campaign, because as we see, I mean, the the award-winning campaigns are just awe-inspiring. They really, really are. Um, but what I would what I would say to to, to ele- elevate to that level of best of the best, there are really kind of four key components. So the first is that there's truly an, an authentic long-term commitment to not just the partnership, but to true mission impact. So mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's a it's a long-term commitment to really making a difference in an issue space. The second factor that is really important is leveraging. Um, active participation by all partners, you know, both partners or all partners, if it's multi-partner, you know, having been in this space for as long as I have, I can tell you that the majority of partnerships are typically on the shoulders of one or the other partner and the other one just sort of nods and goes along with it. Um, So to be truly best of the best, you are actively engaging both sides of the equation. And then third, what I would say is that it activates across multiple channels. I mean, it's not just a one trick activation, but it really fully leverages across, you know, multiple ways to bring that campaign to life. And then last but not least, I think a best and best, best of the best campaign has to generate significant resources for the nonprofit. And Mm. so often we see campaigns that, frankly, are very one-sided or maybe it's just a a company doing something all by themselves. And that may be really great work, but I'm just of the opinion that it needs to involve a nonprofit partner to be a best of the best activation. It's a little bit of a controversial topic you just brought up, Molly, because not everybody feels that way, especially on the corporate side. Not everyone says oh, there has to be a nonprofit partner. There are plenty of companies that are like, we're going to put a stake in the sand on wellness, you know, and they, you know, maybe occasionally they partner with nonprofit organizations, but they're going to try to encourage their consumers and employees to start walking or something like that. So would you talk a little bit more about that particular so controversial (laughs) statement that you've just made? I'll I'll show my opinions. Um, (laughs) What you described is a a behavior change campaign. If you're trying to promote getting out and walking, fine, great. You know, you, because that, if you are able to educate and motivate and inform people what they can individually do for their own benefit. But Mm -hmm. let's say that, that, you know, I'm I'm just making up an example, but let's say that a company wants to impact domestic violence. Mm -hmm. That money has to go into the hands 
of an organization that has the heft and the understanding and the network and the knowledge base to do something to move that impact. And that is right back up to the what makes the best in class is an authentic long-term commitment to the mission. If you really want to make a different difference in the mission, then bring in the experts who can do that. That's a really good point. What if it's a company that has its own foundation and that's where this campaign is coming from? Do you see that the same way or differently? Again, I, I, I want to see, I want to be able to follow the dollar mm-hmm. to the mission impact, not to the marketing. Yep. And so, um, you know, we could look at a lot of different um, iterations of how the campaign might come to life. But at the end of the day, if all we've done is raise awareness, we haven't really addressed the issue. I don't know, maybe five or 10 years ago, there was a lot of raising awareness. Um, I would I would assume that's kind of a common mistake you see where a company's like, we're just going to raise awareness or we're just going to go it alone. But what else do you think is typically missing just in the in your work in the 18 years you've been doing this what do you think is most often overlooked or missing from these cause activations so i, I think you know I, i'm going to repeat a little bit from what we've covered sure. just to, because i it belongs in this answer if you will but then yeah. i'm, I'm going to go a different direction as well so i mean this truly mutual goals and activation and and, and having a, a two-sided act you know two both partners truly activating, I think, is the most often missing component. Okay, so I, I think that's important. The authenticity is incredibly important. And, you know, again, looking back over the body of work over the decades of cause marketing, sometimes things there wasn't, you know, the what we call the three second rule of, oh, I understand why so and so is supporting thus and such. You know, um, there needs to be, I, I think there's, there's, gobs of research that would indicate that, you know, that would reinforce the fact that it's important to understand why these two things are connected. And so that remains certainly important. But the other thing that's often missing is is more of a planning thing. Okay. So it's not necessarily out there in what the public sees, but it's allowing sufficient timelines and planning to truly execute a best-in-class campaign. And what happens in real life is that a great idea comes to the fore and then there's a rush to bring it to life. And, you know, maybe that should be a pilot that can be grown as opposed to the full final thing because it, it's it's with time and ingredients and, <laughs> and, you know, more things that happen that the campaign truly takes life. And so I, I just find way too often partners back themselves into a corner by trying to do things too quickly that they'll never have a best in class campaign because they didn't allow the time for it. And, you know, it's, um, I'll tell you, we did some research on best in class campaigns and, um, you know, I, I can't help but think of some of the things that we learned through that research. And so we benchmarked about 50 best in class cause campaigns. So these were past Halo award winners over the lifetime and, you know, award winning campaigns, a campaign that any organization would be proud to say was theirs. Right. And um, we asked, you know, how much money did, did it raise? And, you know, of course, everybody wants to raise seven figures and, you know, lots of money is, is a, certainly an element of a best-in-class campaign. But when we dug a little deeper, what we realized is that for the, those campaigns that are raising a million dollars and more, 
most of those campaigns have been in the marketplace for five or more years, right? So I think what's missing is is some you know the planning timetable, but also the the life cycle cycle timing of letting this campaign grow. And, and through that growth, it really can become a best-in-class initiative that you might not get out of the gate year one. All right, Molly. So we've talked about research, and I know that you at For Momentum have done quite a bit of it yourselves. What, Based on those research findings, what do you think it takes to create a best-in-class initiative? What are some of those results that have come out? What would you say? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's very interesting. We we dug in the research. Um, we wanted to try to find out what are some of the strategy elements that really result in the best in class, you know, campaign. And what really came out is that there is no one answer, right? So, for example, we asked things like, you know, was the campaign uh, created in response to a timely issue? issue or focused on a long-standing issue? Or was it centered around um, generating an emotional response or was it an education focused, right? So what we found is all of those kinds of elements, you can have success in any of those genres. It was a very interesting way to kind of get at the data. But there were a couple of things that came out as you must have these elements to have a best-in-class campaign. And one of those is the timing that I spoke about early earlier, like you have to have enough time to get it done. But the other is engagement from both partners. Like in in best in class campaigns, both parties are actively engaged. And so we dug a little deeper in another part of the research where we said, tell us the top three departments that are most involved in executing a best in class campaign. And so from the nonprofit side of the equation, the top three departments that need to be or functions that need to be engaged are your partnerships team. That's pretty obvious, but your partnerships team, marketing and communications, and your digital social team. What came out from the corporate side is they, for a best-in-class campaign, they most often have to have marketing and communications, public relations, and senior leadership or C-suite. Those are the three identified. So the research unpacks that a little bit more. But again, I just want to point out that the magic isn't in, I I love your point of sale research and I love the results of point of sale campaigns and the whole, like, should it be Roundup or should it be add a dollar or whatever? Any of those kind of strategies can be successful. But what really uh, behind the scenes contributes to it being a best in class campaign is the planning is the planning process, right? And the having the resources and the time and the points of view um, that come with c- developing a best in class effort. Well, and to your point, you need time for all of that to happen. You know, if you're involving multiple departments, multiple stakeholders, C-suite, like that's not something you can roll up overnight. So um We'll also link to some of your research in the show notes so people can find that. Well, I'm sure people are dying to hear a little bit more about this year's winning Best of the Best Cause campaign. So can you just tell us a little bit about who won and what you heard the judges say that made them really stand head and shoulders above the rest? Absolutely. I'm so pleased to talk about this campaign and so proud to have have uh, sponsored it winning the best and best. So a little bit of context I want to say quickly is that there were hundreds, over a hundred um, applications for Halo Awards and many deserting campaigns and all the golds and silvers that you guys have talked about. But what I want to point out is that this campaign really stood out 
uh, head and shoulders above and was unanimously selected. So the campaign is AI for Social Impact with Google.org and the Trevor Project. And what's very interesting is this was the Golden Halo Award winner in the employee engagement category. Um, Real quick before I get into the dynamics of the campaign itself, I just want to give a quick shout out and accolade to the fact that an employee engagement campaign won the best of the best because it's oftentimes not what we think of when we think about cause activation. We think about consumer activation. Absolutely. We know that employees today, especially the younger, you know, the younger generations very much want to be their companies to be engaged. And so it really, it, it really is on trend, if you will, <laughs> for all of the employee engagement side of things. So, um, so the way this campaign worked is that Google provided technology to help the Trevor Project really better analyze texts and crisis communications, chats and things with the LGBTQ youth so that they could then take the technology to triage those um, callers that are at highest risk of suicide. And so it really accelerated, um, you know, their ability to get to the people who need the help the fastest, the most. And so with that AI technology, the Trevor Project was able to serve three times more um, at-risk youth and more imminently at-risk youth than Mm -hmm. before. So it was, you know, back to those, you know, those, you know, does it make a true mission impact? Yes. It makes a true mission impact. The other thing about this campaign that I think really made it stand out as a as a best of the best candidate or, or winner um, was the incredible uh, mutual activation that I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So Trevor Project um, has invested, this was not something they could just say, oh, yes, please, thank you. We'll take that money. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's like they had to reform and re- they had to be open to changing the way they bring their mission to life, right? And leveraging that technology in a true sense to, I mean, they had to be open to change, right? And open to advancement. And in fact, they have now grown from one resource focused in that area to more than 20. And they fully embrace leveraging all these technologies into various aspects of their program. So did it make a true difference? Yes, it did. <laughs> We're seeing that. And from the Google point of view, what really stood out it was unbelievable. They had people that that embedded into the Trevor um, staff group for, I think it was it six months. I mean, it was like so. a long time. So they had some folks that were involved at a project level, but they had others who their entire job changed for that period of time. To tr- and that's just remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable to put back to planning timetables, but, you know, seriously... <laughs> that they put into this was remarkable. And on top of that, they did additional things that we talk about being multifaceted activations. So the bulk of the campaign is really focused on the employee engagement aspects, but they also, there was fundraising elements and there were other elements. They involved their employees. They, they did that good work to find out how it was impacting employee attitudes and things like that. And, you know, there was such positive sentiment and such deep employee engagement um, that, you know, it's really a very robust case study of how how you can take a nonprofit collaboration and apply it to really advance a business goal, which in Google's case was to really figure out how they could leverage some of their technology to advance missions. So it really checked all the boxes of, of a, a best of the best campaign. And I know we are, um, 
you know, here on the podcast talking at a light level, but I cannot wait till we have our July webinar with a very in-depth kind of behind the scenes. How do you pull something like that together and pull it off um, with, with more insights from Google and Trevor? So that'll be fun. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, as well as there's also a blog post on Molly's site and ours. So there's a bunch of resources for any of you that want to learn more about this amazing campaign. Backtracking a little bit, you talked about how kind of employee engagement is more front and center. I think pivot was kind of the word of last year, but this field has changed not just in the last year, but in the last five, 10 plus. How do you think it's evolved in that time? And what is now a must-have for best-in-class effort that might not have been the case five years ago, 10 years ago? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Allie. I tell you, I remember, I remember back in the day when um, when it was talked about how you really need to, you know, it, we're going from cause promotion to cause branding. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a big shift from, you know, a four or six week promotional cycle to having it actually tied to the long-term, you know, attributes of your brand. And it was like, <laughs> I know you're laughing at you remember? I mean, it was like, I'm laughing at your intonation when you're saying <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I mean, it was a big shift. It was a big, huge shift. And it was like, yes, the trend, you know, so now, you know, you know, fast forward to 2020 and 2021 and things like that. And that is so passe. And so (laughs) compared to, you know, these trends these days to have a real best in class effort now, you know, I turned that, you know, David asked me to comment in a Forbes trends article and I coined a phrase called authentication, right? Which is, you know, sort of authentic integration. And I think that is the biggest evolution that it's, it's no longer enough just to slap up a point of sale sign, you know, or, you know, throw a logo on your product with 10% goes to it. You know, it's got to be so much more than that. It's got to, it's really got to come. And then the latest evolution, and I feel really bad for companies right now because the the measuring stick that they are being held to right now is frightening mm-hmm. with regard to, well, you had a promotion for this, but we see that on your board, you don't have the fully, you know, executed everything. So now, you know, consumers and employees, especially the younger generations are, you know, skeptical maybe and just really holding um, the full picture uh, in in their mindset of it's not enough just to do a good deed. You have to be clean all the way throughout. And yeah, walk the talk. Yes, yes. And so um, I love uh, from the Engage for Good conference when um, Munir was talking about, you know, a, a clean list or a sin list and nobody is sinless, right? And so what I'm afraid of is that it's going to, and I think it'll, I think it'll right size everything kind of pendulum swings. You know, we went from it being a big deal to, to being cause promotion to cause branding to all the way over to this, you know, you have to be absolutely sinless to do anything. And I think really somewhere in the middle there is, you know, a good, true commitment, kind of the things about the best of the best campaign elements, you know, true authentic commitment and really making a difference and really, you know, all those things are what makes the best and the best, not necessarily that you have to be 100% perfect to uh, an effective partnership. Yeah, because then nobody's ever going to do anything. Right. And that's 
not that's not the social impact world we want to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's always awesome to have you on the podcast, Molly, because I feel like you have a unique perspective um, running an agency, working with so, so many clients. What are the trends that you're seeing? What are you advising your clients to kind of pay attention to, maybe resource a little bit differently as we come out of the pandemic and then moving beyond that? Yeah. This is a crystal ball moment where we ask you to bring out your crystal ball. Yeah, my crystal ball. Um, My crystal ball always has a little pragmatic stuff peppered in there as well. (laughs) Which I love. (laughs) So, you know, I think that, um, you know, building off the conversation we just had about the future of where things are headed. I mean, certainly now more than ever before, you know, cause is at the forefront, cause and social impact. And, you know, we can sit here and rattle off a ton of acronyms, but this practice of integrating, giving back to the community as a part of your business practices, you know, and this, you know, from the nonprofit side, this, you know, fact of really integrating truly with corporate partnerships to advance your mission. So that like sort of the, you know, our ultimate goals, those practices are are in flux and are changing so much, um, you know, and I have seen it for a long period of time and I see an acceleration of those changes. So bringing all of that into focus to the pragmatic advice <laughs> is the value of good open dialogue. And, you know, I... I am consulting with our clients to just have check-ins with their partners because you can't guess where they're going next, but they're going somewhere next and you'll either fit or not. (laughs) And if you are not a part of those conversations, you're going to get left in the, in the past. So, you know, part of our, of our uh, body of work at Form Momentum is we do a lot of prospect outreach and, you know, we help nonprofits find and 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 create introductions to new partners. And as a part of that, we've, I mean, we've had literally, we've had outreach to thousands of companies. And, you know, we keep trend data on that, of course. And, you know, it's last year, we had fourth quarter, third and fourth, fourth quarter in particular, somewhat third, leading into first and second quarter of this year, we have had the highest success rate in our outreach we've ever had. Wow. Across all mission types. I mean, companies are hungry for information and, you know, we hear it, you know, almost to the person, oh, well, you've reached out at a great time because we're, re- we're reevaluating our giving strategies. Mm. The thing that you need to know coming out of last year is it's changing. Mm-hmm. Not assume. You better check in with your current partners and your past partners and your wishful partners and have some good open dialogue about where they're going, what their goals and challenges are and how you can fit into that. Um, because change, things are changing. Things are changing. I think that's such an important point too, because it's easy for us, especially as humans to get into a habitual routine, but things are changing. And so if you don't check in with your corporate partner, your nonprofit partner, you might end up going different directions. So I think that's a really great point. And there is always so much to talk about. I feel like we could talk on this podcast for hours, Forever. but apparently that that's not going to happen this time. So if people want to learn more about you and For Momentum online, where can they do that, Molly? Uh, well, ForMomentum.com is probably the easiest. And on ForMomentum.com, we have a resources page. And on that resources page is are dozens of free resources and free downloadable content pieces 
um, that that if if you're interested in any of the sort of topics that we've touched on, that's that's where I would point people to. We also have a Facebook page and a LinkedIn page and a Instagram page and all those fun things. But I think that resource page is what I would want to highlight. Perfect. We will put that in the show notes along with the free webinar that's coming up in July with the best of the best with Trevor and Google.org and the research that you referenced. So that can all be found at engageforgood.com. Well, Molly, thank you so, so much for joining us today. As always, it was a true pleasure to chat with you and we will look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much for having me and I look forward to talking to you again soon. 